Hey, hello, hi, welcome to and are back to the Equitheory podcast. I am your host, Jill Treese, a silly, goofy equestrian who is here to talk about a lot of things today. I have so many things and it's going to be all over the place. So I hope that you have buckled in and you have your phone locked so you are forced to listen to this. Maybe it auto-played and that would be great because now you can't change it. Your hands are preoccupied. You're busy. Um, We're going to talk about things life and horse today. Are you in for it? Are you good? Are you ready? Okay, let's go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So today, with that chaotic intro, I am coming to you guys to discuss possibly some woo-woo things. Um, I hate to say it, this is my formal announcement, I might be a little bit of a woo-woo person. I don't know if you guys picked up on that with the whole positive reinforcement thing, but I really, really think that I'm going that route. I'm, I'm trying to, to rein it in. Uh, for the sake of my relationships and my people sticking around. <laughs> but we haven't quite gone to crystals thus far. Um, no hate if you are a crystal person. I see you. And I think that's valid. But um, for the sake of my sanity, I need to stay away from them for the moment. Um, I can I can feel the emails and DMs about crystals now. Um, sorry, camera's bouncing because I moved my desk and I'm filming on my iPad because it's the only thing that will record long enough and in the highest quality oddly enough I have two very expensive cameras and they don't they're old so um anyway when you're working with your horse I don't know if you guys have noticed this and I, I quote this all the time so forgive me but there's a Heartland quote Jack Bartlett said, if you have five minutes, it'll take all day. And if you have all day, it'll take five minutes. And I really, really find that to be true with horses and training and just if you need to do something with them, um, which is arguably always training, just so we're clear. But if you have five minutes, it's not going to go well. (laughs) And uh, unless you're, you know, you don't have an agenda. But when you are on a time crunch, it's almost always, I find, somewhat anxiety-provoking in the horse that they're like, <laughs> you're bringing a lot to the table right now. And um, it, it's something that I have really tried to focus on in the past couple of years, especially working with young horses. Um, 
that are very, they're like sponges and also clay at the same time. They soak up everything and they're also very malleable. So if you go into a training session with a young horse and you know you are all over the place emotionally, you're upset at what's been going on all day, you've been rushed and you're like, I need to get this right in, um, you almost come to them with this, maybe for you, like background noise and you think you've left it at you know at the barn door or in your car or whatever but um to them it's like oh god what am I in for why is why is this energy coming at me and it makes a lot of sense because I I get nervous talking about things like energy with horses because that typically leads down the route of anthropomorphism and also justification of doing unethical things I find I don't know is that true for you guys do you agree with that or no let me know um but I I think that energy is a big thing for horses right because they they live in herds they are dependent and reliant on each other it's all interconnected and if if one horse in the herd gets tense and anxious even from clear across the field and they're looking at something or they're nervous about something, every other head in the field, except for maybe, you know, the like really old guys that are like, it's a coyote. I already heard it. Um, you know, they, they just, they all perk up and they're like, what is going on? What is that? It's, it's like a ripple that gets sent through the herd of this energy information transfer almost. I don't know if that's that's giving it too much, but um, I like to think of it that way because it's simple. It's easy to follow, I think. And so if you are, you know, coming into that as a herd member, if you will, um, not in the sense that your horse sees you as a horse, but they can still feel you, read your energy, your body language, um, how fast you're walking, how tense you are, things like that. And when you, when you come at them with like, oh, I've got to get this done. Um, I'm going to get off my table because it's, it's making the camera move. Um, when you come at them with all of that loud noise, uh, it can make them want to back off a little bit. And so when there are horses that I have to catch that might be a little bit more difficult to catch or that have had bad past experiences, I actually like before I go even anywhere near their field... I like sit maybe on my porch for a little bit and just kind of get centered, take a bunch of deep breaths, think about my intentions, you know, kind of go over with myself that like, if it doesn't happen today, it doesn't happen. That's okay. Um, you know, try to get something positive done, but if it doesn't, if even nothing gets done, that's better than forcing it and, you know, creating a worse experience for the horse and especially with those rescue types it's it's really really important to give them their space to say no and when you don't you're not actually getting a yes first of all and you can also be pushing your timeline back in terms of when you might get that yes so um i i just think it's really important to tune into yourself a little bit before going out and working with them and listening to yourself, your body, where am I at? How am I feeling? What am I doing? And just checking into your body, like, am I, am I tense? Am I holding my shoulders? Am I relaxed? How's my breathing? How's my heart rate? Is all of that like, are we in just symbiosis, homeostatic, you know, 
relaxation. Am I am I approaching this horse relaxed and without my silly human agenda? Um, and you know, obviously there will be days and some horses aren't super sensitive to it and, or might be super used to it. Uh, especially, you know, like maybe lesson horses or competitive horses that, you know, their rider's always like, I'm going to get you from the field. I'm going to tack you up. We're going to ride, we're going to work. And then I'm going to put you back. And, um, you know, so they know the drill and some of them might be more, you know, all right, this is my life than others. But other horses are a little bit more sensitive to that. And when you start allowing for that yes to happen, you might get a, a no for quite some time because they're like, oh, now you're listening. And this is what I actually think. And then when you take the time to really rebuild that relationship and show them that you will respect that no and you would like to work with them on getting that yes, and um, then you usually end up with an animal that is happy and willing to participate that you actually can't get to leave you. Um, like Azula is particularly bad with end of session cues. With Zoe, I make a pile of treats or the alfalfa pellets that I use when I train, and then I walk away and she knows that we're done training. Azula, on the other hand, I make the pile and she does not get it. She's like, what? Like, I'll leave a big pile of alfalfa pellets and she would rather follow me and come with me. She's like, wait, whoa, whoa, why are you leaving? Um, then stand there and eat the alfalfa pellets. And that is something that I need to work on for sure. But um, it's it's just kind of that little demonstration of like, no, I'm actually really enjoying the work. Let's, why are you stopping? Stop tapping out. I need you to keep going. And so um, really, I think that all of what I'm talking about is listening, paying attention and respecting what you hear and what you see. And um, for me, as I was saying that I'm going to use myself as an example, I have had a lot of health stuff lately, kind of my whole life, but uh, it, it got really bad lately. For, for a very long time, I was not paying attention to what felt right. And I was just kind of running headlong towards something. <laughs> I wasn't really even sure. Um, for example, my friend and I are both in the same program at my college. And we, we did undergrad together in psychology. And both of us graduated a year early. And then we got into the graduate program. And we were like, how fast can we do this? You know, like how many hours should we take and how much is going to be too much? How much is enough and whatnot? And finally I looked at her and I was like, what are, do you know what happens after we finish this program? Like we, we actually have jobs and, uh, we'll be giving therapy and counseling to people. Is this really something to rush through? And what are we running towards, you know, being like half educated as a counselor and like then then you're thrown into the the big world and I have been told my whole life that school is the best place to be because you don't have you know all of the regular stuff going on everyone gives you a pass because you're in school still and they're like oh yeah focus on your study school comes first um and so for us it was like why are we trying to get through this so fast why am I rushing so hard? Why am I stressing myself out to no end and trying to get this done so fast? Like, 
And and that was kind of like the first wake up call that I had. And I dismissed it <laughs> because I was like, nope, this is what feels normal. And I've had many conversations with her since about that sort of tendency because for a very long time, I have been somebody that runs on stress. Cortisol is my drug of choice. And I, I, I told her so many times, I was like, I don't know who I would be without anxiety. I, and like, not in the like crippling, can't leave your house type, but in the, oh my God, I have to get things done. And I think a lot of that comes from the ADHD and procrastination, the perfection paralysis. And it's like I depend on the anxiety and the stress to get things done. And somewhere along the way here, I realized that that is not how I want to live my life. And I thought it was fine because I live in America and I am supposed to be productive. And if that is the way that I'm productive, that's the way I'm productive. And beyond that, it went deeper that like, who am I without being stressed and neurotic? Like, who is Jill Therese without that? And I, I was very afraid to look at that. It, it physically made me uncomfortable to think about like relaxing and taking a breath <laughs> and um, you know, I, I want to talk about some people that have been really influential in my life and on this sort of journey. Uh, if you guys listen to the Come Along for the Ride podcast, there's a lot of really awesome interviews on that podcast. Tracy Malone has that energy and she did, um, I'm not exactly sure what, but I know that she did equine assisted counseling therapy, something to that effect and has that very like, yeah, that's amazing. It's beautiful. Like you can just tell those people have a deep appreciation for life. They have this underlying like vibe of calm, contentment, like everything's going to be all right, you know, and just like no stress. And I, I'm sure that they experience stress and pressure and get anxious and riled up. But for the most part, they're like baseline is just like, I'm good, you know. And the other one is Warwick Schiller. I listen to his podcast um, pretty regularly. I go in spurts. I'll listen to like eight episodes in a row and then I won't listen for a couple of weeks and then I'll do it again. Um, but he he has that energy. And what I really like about him is that you can see the, the change on his YouTube. His older videos, it is not like that at all. It's very loud, masculine, like, you will do what I want, Horace. He's being disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. And like all of that kind of jargon verbiage. And um, But it's also evident in his body language and just kind of the way he comes across, his energy, the vibe. Um, and now... In recent episodes, he's talked a lot about mental health and his journey, and I really appreciate that because it, and it's also really cool to see in a cowboy archetype, you know what I mean? Like, you just wouldn't expect that, and I, I really, really respect him for that because I can't imagine that that's easy to do, especially, you know, in talking about how hard it was to deal with, um, you know, learning how to have emotions again and display them as a man and society says no emotions for everyone in different ways though for men if you have emotions you're weak for women if you have emotions you're a woman <laughs> because we're hysterical um so 
we just as a society collective globally just don't like emotions there are some that do really appreciate them and honor them and that's what I'm moving towards because honestly I've spent my whole life making fun of things like woo woo and you know emotions and every time I get sad or upset I'm very quick to make a joke and like try and lighten it because it it when I'm talking to other people and I'm crying per se um I make jokes because I can tell they're uncomfortable and I'm uncomfortable I don't like it we don't like dealing with it and so avoid 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 make everybody comfortable people please um and so in in learning how to sit with emotions and feelings and thoughts and just kind of observe them and be with them and then you know, start processing and letting go without just being like, well, that was stupid or, you know, I'm just overreacting or invalidating in this way or that way. All of those things just limit connection in so many ways. And it can be really hard to do, especially when you're putting your, you know, yourself on the line and in the hands of others who might also not know how to react or might also be uncomfortable with that. And, um, So, you know, I I just think, I I think a lot of Warwick for that. Warwick, it's hard. There's another W. It confuses my brain. Um, But I think he's great. And he really represents that, that same energy. And he talks about how it affects horses. And that's really what I started to pay attention to. Because, you know, I'm a positive reinforcement trainer, science-based, whatever you want. Um... I know that skill set, but at the same time, like I talked about in the last episode, I'm a little bit uncomfortable doing training right now, like, you know, outwardly advertising like training services, because I feel like I'm still trying to figure out where I fit in. Um, Not necessarily that I need a like, I'm science-based, I'm connection-based, I'm natural horsemanship, I'm positive reinforcement, I'm clicker training, I'm traditional, like, you know... not that I need a category or a label, but for me, I want to know how I'm approaching training. I I can give people advice and I can break it down really well with positive reinforcement and the step-by-step shaping plans, training plans. I can do that all day long. Um, but for me, I feel like approaching it from a super purist scientific standpoint is great. You can get where you need to go with that in most cases. And you can get your goals accomplished, but sometimes the goals aren't everything. And like, yes, the horse needs to know how to stand, tie, halter, load, stand for the farrier, you know, take shots, all of that sort of thing. And that requires training. Um, And not that, you know, I'm talking, I'm not talking about just like sitting in the field with the horses. What I'm talking about is finding my own, my own path, what feels right and authentic to me. And um, maybe a better way to put this is positive reinforcement and clicker training feels like 70% of it. That feels like the method. And I'm looking for the the other 30% that feels like is missing that I'm finding is that relationship and the energy, the connection. And because it, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of undeniable horses are freaking magical, dude. Like there's something about them that is so different. Yes, they're goofy, silly, wonderful creatures and they have quirks and they have flaws, but I think that that's a part of it. 
and and they they really bring out something in us that I think is is truly unique and something that only horses and animals can do, but specifically horses. And so like what I was talking about with Azula, she really had something that I was missing from the moment I met her when she was five months old. She had this like self-assuredness and, you know, a big middle finger to anybody who was not, you know, going to respect it. And I respect that. And I think that's why we clicked because I was like, and you know, back then I wasn't thinking about this sort of thing. I was like, clicker training, step by step by step. How do I do this? And something about that feels a little bit mechanical and detached. I want to be very clear when I say this. I don't think that clicker training is mechanical and detached. I think that only approaching training and interacting and working with horses with a method is a little bit mechanical, just like I would with traditional training. If you go out and you grab your horse and you tack them up and you put the lunge line on and you do that and you do the side reins and then you get on and you use your spurs and or you don't and you just ride around and you have like, we need to go through this movement. We need to practice our dressage test. We do this at X. We do this. It just feels a little bit like mechanical. And something is really appealing to me about that element of like connection. And that's why I would get so frustrated listening to Oryx's episodes and watching some of his videos because there wasn't training happening. And it was just absolutely baffling to me, confusing, and I needed the answer. Much like I did when I first saw Adele Shaw, the willing equine, and how she approached training. She's another one of those people that just has this like sense of like, I'm good. I've got it. Like very soft approach. And um, when I first saw her doing clicker training and doing all of this stuff that I could not get my horses to do willingly, I was like, I need to know everything about that right now. And so um, that's kind of one of the wonderful things about the mind of Gil is that I just, I get hooked on things fixated, hyper fixated, if you will. Um, Any of my neurodivergent people out there, you feel me. Um, But yeah, so like, that's, I I just kind of want to explore everything. And I was very quiet about it at first because I was like, and I, and the discord patron members, they know. Um, but anywhere else I was like, I, I kind of am known as the positive reinforcement girl. So I don't want to start getting woo woo. Cause I feel like when you start talking about relationship connection, like, unless it's in terms of what positive reinforcement does for those things, like, you know, you create positive associations with yourself. Now your horse likes you, like those sorts of things. But talking about how you, how things can happen outside of strictly reinforcement punishment out of the quadrants, how things can still happen, you get, it starts to give positive reinforcement a bad name, I think, because it, positive reinforcement is already labeled as the tree hugger, woo woo, crazy cat ladies and horse incarnation. Um, so when you, when you start down that road and I start talking about it, then I feel like I'm, I'm undoing the work of the science and all of the work that I've done promoting it. Sorry, voice started sounding weird. Um, but you know what? This is my freaking podcast and I am one trainer and all positive reinforcement trainers are not the same. And many of them are very anti woo woo because they like science. And I'm one of those too. Why not both though? I am the little taco girl that the, the two tacos, why not both? That's how I feel. Um, that I, I want, 
I want to explore both. I want to explore the science and the research side of it, but I also want to explore the connection, the beyond side, we'll call it. Um, you know, because I, I just feel like it's inherent with horses. If you pay attention to it, it's there. And um, so what I was saying about watching Warwick's videos, there's there's one, I forget what the title of it is. Um, I'll link it in the episode and make a quick note to myself here. Um, okay. Um, so there's this video on his YouTube channel that, like I said, I'll link in the show notes. Um, where he, there's this horse, he's, he's doing a clinic and he's talking to the audience, the crowd, and he's explaining something. I forget exactly what he's explaining. And the, the cameraman or woman is panning over to this, this horse that he's going to be working with. And the owner of the horse is just being absolutely drug around by this horse. It is like rearing and tossing its head and just doing all this stuff. I actually can't remember if it reared. So if you watch it, don't but but it's clearly like over threshold it's doing a lot it is the definition of a kite horse it's flying and she's just hanging on for dear life getting drug around bumped into all sorts of things and so there i don't think there's like a cut in the video um but then she when he's ready to start working with the horse she brings the horse over and hands him the lead rope and the horse just stands it, it just stops. I mean, like, it is going nuts. And the woman isn't doing anything, like, to incite this behavior. I mean, she's not waving a flag around. She's not, like, you know, asking him to do anything. She, I'm sure she would much prefer that he just stand next to her. Um, and she is just, like, really fighting for her life out there. And she walks over to him and hands him the lead rope. And he takes it. And he says, hi, how you going to the horse? And the horse stops. Nothing. And I watched that and I was like so angry and frustrated because, you know, that that is the the real life reality embodiment of what everyone sees on Heartland and shows like it where you get this magical horsey connection and they just it's like you have telepathy. And um, it was so frustrating for me to watch because I was like, how did he do that? How? How did that happen? Did the horse just get tired all of a sudden? No, that is not what happened. The horse, he just was there. And that presence, that acknowledgement of the horse and his concerns and an awareness, a continued awareness of the horse, I think is, and, and just your own human energy. You know, I have been many times that owner that is being drug around by their horse that is embarrassed to no end because they absolutely cannot handle this beast at the end of their lead rope that is just absolutely losing its mind and is so rude and disrespectful and like, wow, I can't believe she lets the horse act like that. It's like, I'm trying not to. It's not happening though. It's a horse. <laughs> it will do what it wants. And um, so I've been there. And I'm sure that her energy was very anxious and loud and laugh. Oh, what's happening? This is embarrassing. I can't handle my horse. Look how bad he is. Ah. And um, I don't know how public speaking, Mr. Warwick is like, okay. And like just able to tune in and be that present with the horse. I really think that that is 
I mean, that's the only thing. If you guys have seen that video, please comment below and let me know what you think changed um, and if you can tell a difference. And um, yeah, so I don't know. It, it was just, it was insane to watch because that that was like the first moment that I was like, huh, now I'm confused. And I hate to admit that because I, I really, really don't want anybody to walk away from this and be like, ah, see, positive reinforcement isn't it. I think it is. I still think it is. I think it is the best way. Um, it is the best way through science. Um, and it's the easiest to apply. That is ethical, if that makes sense. Um, talking about stuff like this is not super easy to apply. And that is because of another thing that I learned from him, Warwick, is that a lot of those changes that need to happen in order for that lead rope to be handed over to you and for the animal on the other end of it to relax around you has to happen away from horses. Usually it is something that has to happen and come from you personally and who you are and settle some of those things. It's kind of like, I would imagine showing up to an airport with a million bags of luggage. People are probably going to roll their eyes at you and be like, Oh my God, really? And whereas if you show up with like a backpack, they're like, send you through security. You're quick. That was easy. Awesome. And if you show up to riding, you know, or to working with your horse with a bunch of baggage, they're going to be like, oh, this guy again. But if you show up with, you know, a light load and are just happy to be there, you know, it's, it's more pleasant to be around. And I I get that. And I, I also want to clarify that I, I think that horses are really good for dealing with your baggage. Number one, they are so patient, they are so forgiving, and they are magical. They are healing, all powerful beings, honestly. Why don't we worship them? <laughs> um, but like, they're good at healing it, but it's not their responsibility, if that makes sense. Let that sink in. It's not up to them to fix us. And I think a lot of people in the horse world you know, and just people in general struggle with a variety of different mental health issues. But most equestrians that I meet either struggle with anxiety, depression, ADHD, you know, neurodevelopmental disorders, things like that, the all the labels that we put on them. And as somebody that is studying clinical mental health counseling, I am very aware of those things. And so when people say that, I'm, I'm logging it. Of course, this is anecdotal. Um, but I do think that there might be there might be some truth to that horse girls are crazy <laughs> meme. Um, but not in the sense that any of those issues is crazy. You know what, I don't need to qualify that, you know, I don't mean that. Um, but it it's just like, it's not their responsibility. And it, they help. Yes, of course. But it's it's similar to what I'm learning in therapy. It's not my responsibility as a future counselor to fix someone. My responsibility is to facilitate someone else helping themselves and achieving the life that they want to live on their own terms and not according to what I think that they should be doing. It's It's up to them. And I can help guide and facilitate and help them think about things and evaluate things, but it is not up to me to quote unquote fix them. And so that's, I think a lot of people come to horses maybe with that impression that like, you know, oh, this is my safe space. My horse always makes me feel better. And on the days where you're having a bad day and your horse doesn't make you feel better, 
I know we've all had one. At least for me, it was like, oh, you too. And then I just, you know, not blamed the horse, but I was like, oh, another thing in my way. And so that's that's where I, I come back to the the listening and the presence thing, because I really do think it's important and it happens away from horses. So for me lately, I'm going to try to be concise with this. I make no promises though. Um, Like I said, I've struggled with a lot of health issues my whole life. I have always been very uncoordinated and clumsy. I have um, struggled with things like, you know, joint pain. Like it always seemed like there was something wrong with me. As a kid, my immune system was absolutely garbage. Like so bad. I was sick all of the time. In fifth grade, I had strep throat five times. I missed the first day of school because I had strep. Um, Constantly just sick. Every year I got the flu and like nothing, nothing seemingly could help. And then as I've gotten older, I did five years of allergy shots, if that tells you how bad my allergies were. Uh, and, and that did help me to stop getting sick so often, but I was still like always had some issue. But in the past like two years or so, my, my biggest issue was constant migraines, not debilitating to the point where I'm like vomiting or, um, uh, you know, have to lay down for hours on end, but to the point where I was in pain for a a lot of the day. And so there was that element. And then there was also the joint pain. And so I I really started to get irritated because I couldn't figure out what was going on with me. And like, why at 23 years old, do I feel like I have rheumatoid arthritis because my body feels so bad? I don't know what rheumatoid feels like, but my parents both have it. I think, and, or arthritis, full stop, maybe, I don't know. But, um, so what I've heard it described as is what it felt like to me. And that was very not good. I did not appreciate. So I started going to different doctors and talking to them about what was going on and just couldn't get an answer. And this is where things get a little muddy for me because, Uh, I said earlier, I'm not a scientist, but I am what I would call an armchair scientist where I need the answer to everything. I want to understand all of the things. And so when I was 14, I started struggling with depression. Little, maybe it's TMI. I don't care though. Uh, When I was 12, I started puberty. (laughs) And then everything, you know, starts getting going. And then around 14, you're, you start to be like really into your puberty, your menstrual cycle. If there are males listening, I apologize. I hope that you don't have a problem with this. It's life. Get over it. Um, so when those, when you start like actually ramping up, uh, then things happen hormonally that can cause things like that. And also, so that's, that's like physiologically what I think might have been happening for me at the time is just hormones all over the place. But also, uh, my diet, garbage when I was younger. So bad. And I I blame my diet for a lot of things. And my parents tried. They really tried. Um, They tried to get me to eat healthy, and I wouldn't do it. I've been a picky eater for as long as I can remember. Just, you couldn't, I would rather starve than eat anything that looked or smelled weird to me. Um, And so, at 14 is when I started rethinking religion. 
raised in the South, the Bible Belt. And I was like, hey, maybe this isn't my thing <laughs> um, and started diving into all of that. And then I really felt like I found myself in being like, I don't think this is for me. That was great. And it made me feel really good that I was like, yeah, this is a part of my identity that I am kind of taking control of for myself here. Uh, the only problem was um, it, it felt good personally felt very bad socially everyone I grew up with was very much Christian and uh you know when you're in high school you're kind of uh, I'm trying to think of a polite word to use here not the nicest humans um or the most emotionally intelligent developed and so when I would tell people I would get like the so you have no morals right Okay, well, <laughs> that's nice. I'm glad you think that. I actually do. I I got a lot of them from the religion that I was raised in. But also, I evaluated them for me, myself, and I personally and decided what I think feels right for me and I'm happy with that. It was a dark time because all of a sudden I didn't fit in anywhere and I was kind of isolated. I had friends, but like... I couldn't really be me, you know, and so there was a lot going on in early, early days, high school things, so I finally got to this point um, when I was 16, and again, might be TMI, just warning, um, that I got on the birth control pill because I had some rough acne going on. Actually, first I was on the depot shot, and that was not good because I, oh God, it was not good. I got so depressed on that. And so I think it was about 17 that I got on the pill and I was good. My acne cleared up for the most part and I was chill. However, I would still go through really intense phases of depression and it felt like it didn't, like sometimes obviously there was a, a cause, but at the same time, there were there were a lot of instances where it didn't have a cause. It just felt like it came on. And then uh, we're fast forwarding up to pretty much the past two years. About a year ago, my acne started getting really, really bad. Like I had popcorn ceiling for a forehead. It was just so textured and bumpy and awful and I hated it. And so that that was causing a lot of insecurity, an issue for me. I had been going to see my dermatologist because I had also struggled with eczema my whole life, which if you don't know, is an inflammatory skin condition. And uh, my mom had tried to tell me at one point that that, you, that might mean you have a gluten intolerance. And I ignored her because I was like, that is dumb. It means I can't eat the things that I want to. So no, I don't. <laughs> and so I, I, I'm telling you this journey. I promise it's coming, coming to a head here. But um, I... I fell down the YouTube rabbit hole. I watched every single one of Hiram's videos and um, was just obsessing on TikTok. I spent so much money on skincare and, you know, makeup that's better for you and all of this stuff, but I it just wasn't getting any better. And then so I changed dermatologists and she was like dead set on putting me on Accutane like every... And, and like, no tea, no shade. If you have had Accutane and you liked it, good for you. I am terrified of it. And so I was like, you know what? 
I'm just not going to do Accutane. And she just, she was like, okay, we'll put you on spironolactone. And so I tried that and my skin started to clear up a lot. Um, But at the same time, that is around when, you know, my joint pain started getting really bad. And I was like, hmm, I don't know what's happening here, but my body is very unhappy. And so I'm telling this story to bring a point to the listening to your body and demanding answers and getting them if, you know, by any means that you can, if, if nobody else is cooperating or wanting to help you, because like my friends and family were supportive, but you know, past a certain point when you can't find an answer and doctors are like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like I, I pursued the, the thyroid route. I was like, maybe I've got something wrong with my thyroid. That's why I'm tired all the time. That's why my joints hurt. You know, maybe this is it. And blood work, everything completely normal. The only thing that I have that ever comes up on my blood work is I test positive for Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. I guess I got bit by a tick at one point, um, which is, I, I think, contributes to some sort of autoimmune issue. But like, not really. I mean, if you get it treated, like you'll test for it and it's, you have antibodies or whatever, but like, there's not like some discernible fallout that I've noticed. And so, you know, we were exploring that route and my doctors were like, I don't really think that that is it. And they were like, your blood work and all of your test results are completely fine. So, you know, maybe you're just really stressed. And so I did the cortisol test and sure enough, uh, absolutely just all over the map. Um, I know that adrenal fatigue isn't super scientific or accepted. Um, but point being my cortisol levels were crazy and not good. And all the other things that they tested demonstrated that I was very stressed and my body was like, uh, uh-uh, can't do no more. And so it was manifesting in a lot of different ways. Um, however, around this time, my my sister was like, maybe um, your joint pain is because of your birth control. And I was like, what? I, uh, what? <laughs> and so she was like, just take a look into it. She sent me some books that I have that I've been reading. And oh my God, wow. If you are a person that has periods, please by all means, invest in the books Fix Your Period and the Period Repair Manual by Laura Bryden. The first one is by Nicole Jardim. They are heavily cited, referenced books, very well researched, and just kind of lay out everything that you weren't taught. And it will frustrate you endlessly because you'll be like, how how did I not know this? How did nobody tell me? Like, why isn't this more widely known? Um, And, you know, I'm not out here advocating for or against birth control. It is up to you. I know plenty of people that are on birth control and have no issue. They are just thriving. Um, But for me, that seemed like the route to take. I was like, I need to get off of this and give it a shot, see what happens. And so, um, you know, I, I did. And I've been reading those books and learning about my body and how hormones affect your body. And so... Unfortunately, what this means is Jill is going the holistic health route. And if you can hear the dogs barking, I am so sorry. I don't know how to make them stop. It's the barn dog and then she gets my dog going. So you just have to deal. Um, but yeah, so 
all of all of this means that like this whole time that I'm going to doctors and they're telling me that I'm totally fine and that it's and they're kind of like have this smug look on their face like silly woman she's doing it to herself and she doesn't even know it's all psychosomatic you know all of these things are imagined you're like just making up issues because you want attention this and that like I mean I heard it all and I was so frustrated by that because I was like, that is not what's happening. I'm not making this up. And it, I don't think it's a manifestation of like some, you know, internal deep seated inner child desire to be noticed and have attention, which I have a podcast for. I don't need that. Okay. So like, I, I, I didn't understand that approach. And I think it was just kind of a hands in the air. We don't know what to do. Um, and so, I mean, it makes sense. I get it, but not helpful for me. So I, I kept pushing because I knew that there had to be an answer. I, I got off of it and then I started seeing everything. Like, first of all, I feel so much clearer headed. Like I, yes, I have ADHD and I'm all over the place and my storytelling is anything but linear, but I, I under like I, I just feel clearer. I don't know if that makes sense. But I'd been on it for so long. I didn't know how like fuzzy and foggy things were. And I stopped having to take naps in the middle of the day. And I I don't have that sense of, you know, depression. I might go through an episode again, you know, it might happen. But like, I don't have this level of reactivity that I did when I was on it. And that wasn't something that I noticed right away. It's been upon reflection. Like when I would get into an argument with my boyfriend earlier on in our relationship when I was still on it, um, he would like I would just get really reactive and like super angry and over the top and like just not how I wanted to be. And I was like, just not not I didn't feel good ever mentally physically emotionally nothing and off of it like I just I don't get like super nah anymore you know I like when we get into an argument I feel very level-headed and easygoing and I'm like okay I hear you like let's work this out like I don't know it's so wild how how much I feel like it might have been affecting me and my mental health and um, you know, not all birth control is created equal, but I, I think for me, the right decision was to get off of it. And now what I'm doing, if you're wondering how I am avoiding becoming impregnated, is um, the fertility awareness method. It's using basal body temperature, um, cycle tracking, and all of those things. So um, it is rooted in science and has a very, very high... Um, efficacy rate it's not the rhythm method it's not nothing like that it's just um you know paying attention to your body's biomarkers for when you are fertile so that's fun and uh if you're not into all of that and you just listen to all of that sorry <laughs> it it's just it, it's crazy information that i can't believe i didn't know sooner and I was very frustrated and irritated by that. So I figured I would share that. And it's also in line with this journey, right? So I started feeling better. But then all of the things that my um, birth control had been covering all along, to be clear, it's hormonal birth control. Um, and so everything that it was covering up, I got off of it and the spironolactone at the same time. And uh, oh my God. <laughs> my body absolutely lost its mind. Like I was a little moody and emotional, not, not unmanageable at the beginning. 
of coming off of it. It's been, I think, like eight, seven or eight months maybe now. And um, the biggest problem that I have been having is the acne. Oh my God. My acne is the worst it's ever been in my life at 23. It was bad at 14 when I got on it to on birth control to prevent and um also you know other things <laughs> um but like oh my god it is so absolutely terrible now and like I have makeup on and I'm wearing a hat for this reason but you can probably see a little bit in my hairline and on my jaw it's not good there's a reason I'm facing this way because that's pretty rough and like cystic nasty awful stuff and uh, it, it's to the point where like, I don't want to go out in public and I feel like I have to have makeup on to do anything or to talk to other people or to be on FaceTime with my boyfriend. I'm like, don't look at me. I don't want to look at me. Um, and when he's here, he, he's absolutely like, I feel like I don't talk about him enough, but this is supposed to be a horsey podcast. Not that I'm sticking to that boyfriend. So amazing. His name is Jacob. He is absolutely delightful honestly a godsend he is my favorite human and is just so supportive of whatever and um you know like with the birth control thing obviously that's a big big topic in a couple because you gotta deal with some of the you know contraceptives and that can be a not so fun thing sorry to get super personal hi guys I'm Jill welcome to my entire life um but he was like whatever you feel like is best for you if you feel like this is affecting you negatively I am here for you I will support whatever decision you want and I want you to feel better so whatever you think is going to do that let's do it and um with my acne it like I I'm tempted to insert a picture and maybe I will if I'm feeling brave but it is it's bad. You can't tell how bad it is under my makeup, but I, oh, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, and so I'm, I'm just really struggling with it. And he has been the best, like so supportive, so here for me, so patient and dealing with me, just being stressed about it. And, um, just like, yeah, it's, it's amazing to have that in my life, helping me through this. Um, and never once has invalidated me or been like, well, maybe, you know, you're not actually as bad as you think you are with like the joint pain. Maybe you're making it up, you know, um, never been upset with me for complaining, like none of that. Just so patient, so understanding and good. And I, oh, I love him. He's amazing. He's the best. Um, what I was saying with the birth control thing coming off of it and my acne getting so bad obviously is a part of your hormones rebalancing your progesterone your testosterone have been suppressed you've been getting artificial hormones and um you know your body is like trying to figure out what on earth it's supposed to do now but yeah it's something that I'm dealing with I'm not like super upset about it I understand that it's a part of the process and it also is heavily revealing to me a lot of what I like I thought I was fine until my joint pain was getting really bad. Um, but basically, I had put a Band-Aid over a massive, massive leak. And, like, I had a lot more going on than I, I really knew. The eczema and the joint pain were, like, small glimpses into what's going on. But now that I've ripped the Band-Aid off, I can really see how much is wrong. And so I've done a lot of research... And 
I haven't completely solved the issue yet, obviously. Um, but what I have learned is that I need to be on an anti-inflammatory diet. There is an answer. There are many people on, I've watched so many YouTube videos, listened to so many podcasts, read books, and it seems that the answer is eating well, <laughs> having a good diet and making sure that your stress levels stay low and you exercise regularly. All things that I'm not fantastic at and get enough sleep. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm really, really pushing myself to um, right now, I am on an anti-inflammatory um, diet, if you will. Not a diet like in the lose weight, but like my what I'm eating <laughs> sort of sense. Um, so what is the other word like nutrition plan? I don't know what to call it. But what I'm eating right now is strictly gluten-free and dairy-free because those tend to be inflammatory foods. And I have a very sensitive system and my gut microbiome is destroyed. <laughs> and so I'm doing a lot of probiotics and prebiotics and liver support for detoxing all of those nasty things and making sure that I'm not eating things that are going to add to the inflammation, which I'm so bad at. Especially with ADHD, we got like little to no impulse control. Um, so it, it's a challenge. It's really hard. But I am so over my skin being like this and I, then I, I, my body being like this, like I want to feel good. And I like what I was talking about early on in this episode with Warwick and his like seemingly very peaceful, like, mm, yeah, horses love me. They just relax around me and me wanting that. It is time to put the same amount of effort that I did into the horses and training and learning about how I can help them live their best lives and be the most ethical and humane to them that I can. And now I'm having to apply that to me. It's up to me to, to do the same to myself and bring that into the relationship. Because if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not going to feel good. I'm not going to make clear-headed decisions or the best one. I might not see them. You know, like it's just, it's this whole intertwined process that I would not have come to if it hadn't been for horses and listening to podcasts like Oryx. It's, it's so important to take care of yourself and, you know, love yourself. <laughs> that sounds awful, doesn't it? Um, but to just like get in this groove of like, life you know I want to I want to live it I want to experience it I want to appreciate it I want to be a part of it and not just running through it it feels like what I've done my whole life like I started this episode I feel like I have been running rushing through my program through school I've always been like I want to be an adult I want to be in the field I want to be in this program I want to get into my master's already I want to be graduated already I want to be here already like it none of it is about being a part of the process I'm just wishing it away the whole time and um it, it's so just kind of liberating I guess finally because as I said earlier you know I I didn't know who I would be without stress and anxiety and running on cortisol and adrenaline all the time but it like 
I finally reached a point where I'm at a breaking point where I can't do this anymore. I physically can't live like this anymore because it is destroying my life and I can feel my body doesn't feel good and is just like withering away. I'm actually going all the way with this because I am over it. I am so over my face being bloody and pussy and gross and swollen and painful. I'm tired of feeling tired and I just, I want to feel like I am taking care of myself. Like it's actually started to feel good to do that. And um, I think that's just kind of a part of doing this whole holistic, paying attention to your diet, learning about your cycle and your body and how things work and what your body needs and all of that. Like, I, I think it's all all connected that you start to like develop whether you want to do or not, at least for me, sort of an appreciation and a connectedness with your body because you're slowing down and you're being present and you're attending to it and you're caring for it. You're nurturing it and you're listening because no matter how many times people told me that it was all in my head um, and just like invalidating every concern that I had, uh, I just kept pushing because I was like, no, that it's you're wrong and not because I'm being you know like belligerent but because I know that you are I'm not making it up and also then I can't do anything you that takes my power away like what can I do then and so like I was saying I'm in a fortunate enough position where I am able to do research I'm able to get out there in the grocery store and try my best um and there's just so much to learn and there's so much like, I feel like playing a game of, you know, Mario Kart, just hitting all the turtles uh, because it's so hard to know what good food is and what bad food is and what to avoid. And it's like, it, it's exhausting. But, um, you know, additionally, I am in a position where I can get off of certain medications that I'm on, like the spironolactone and the birth control. And so, you know, it, it's... It's just this whole process and I'm trying to move towards taking care of myself. You know, you guys know that I've listened to the podcast for a while that I did so much learning about diet and nutrition for horses and how just how much it impacts them. And like when they're on really high sugar carb diets, they end up with really awful crumbly feet or, you know, their coat might be shiny, but why is it shiny? Is it because we're feeding for that and not for the other things? And, or is it because of a grooming regimen? And if you stopped, would it not? <laughs> and so, you know, th there are just so many things that, that go into making a healthy, happy, whole horse. And I was so into all of that and questioning, why am I not caring for myself in the same way? So we have to, we've had done a lot of personal reflection, reflection, evaluation, thinking about it and, coming to this place where I am excited and happy to become a person that is not motivated by stress and peace when before you know not even I think it was last semester I was talking to my friend about how stressful and scary that was for me and I just feel like I've done a 180 like I don't want to live that life anymore I want to be somebody that horses can walk up to and be calm and relaxed around and, you know, for you listening, that might not be about, you know, getting off medications and eating holistically. It might mean that you 
practice more mindfulness that you sit with yourself and your feelings and you get to know yourself a little bit better. You evaluate your goals and your belief systems and your values. What matters to you? What do you want? Why are you doing what you're doing? Do you want to do that? Are you happy? Are you happier than you are not happy? And realizing that it is your life. And how can you find a way to be happy and to get that life? Is it that destination addiction? Shout out work. That you're just like always, it's always over the next hill. It's always, you know, just after I get this thing, then I'll be happy. After I get this done, then I'll be happy. That's what I've been doing for my whole life. And it does not make you happy. You will never be happy like that. And, um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of talk around people that have, you know, filthy exorbitant amounts of money and they're not happy because you can't, it's something that has to come from within and obviously circumstances, environments, opportunities play a large role into that. And like I was saying, I'm very fortunate that I'm in a position where I can pursue this relatively unencumbered. Um, there is also obviously like the judgment element of being like, Oh, are you a vegan now? No, I'm just going on the gluten-free, dairy-free, which is also a big joke. Um, You know, people hate that, but it's an inflammatory food. Sorry. Um, And so, you know, it's just like, I feel really lucky and grateful that I'm in this position where I know not everybody can be, but I, I do believe, at least to some degree, I'm sure there are some circumstances where I would be like, well, yeah, obviously, you know, it won't work there. But like, I feel like everybody has the ability to live the life that they want. Or at least let me say it this way. Everybody deserves to be able to live the life that they want as happy and as authentically true to themselves as they can. They deserve to be loved. They deserve to love themselves. They deserve to know themselves. And that is also what I want for horses. I want horses to be confident in who they are. Like Danny, Danny is very insecure around people. I feel like he's, he's pretty good with himself. He's still a little bit more wary than the other horses, but around people, he's very insecure and he's only just now coming around and we've had him almost a year now. And, um, but Azula just came out the womb, like this is who I am. And so that's what I was talking about. You know, it's just like, I, I feel like I didn't know it at the time, but I was really drawn to that because that's, that's what I needed. I needed that in a friend, Azula, and I needed that in a, an objective for myself, for what I wanted for myself, that it's, it's time that I start pursuing what she has intrinsically, which is just beautiful. I mean, I could talk about Azula all day long because she is just so cool. She has this life and light and fire about her that she's just so painfully honest in herself and just awesome. Just love her. And I, ugh, she's amazing. And so for me, I feel like I'm more like Zoe where we were both told what to do our whole lives. We were handed um, you know, this is what you should want. This is how you feel. That was the thing with like doctors. You don't actually have that. You're doing it to yourself. You're not actually feeling this way, whatever, you know, um, or you're not actually upset, you know, things like that. And so now Zoe and I are both on a journey of like, who are we? What are we without that? 
And, um, you know, obviously it's a little bit easier for Zoe because she's a horse and I'm a human. And so I have to deal with still societal things. But um, for me, it's like, I, I can honestly sit down and evaluate what do I want? What is good for me? What feels right to me? What do I value? Those things. And um, some of the ways that I've been implementing that more is, uh, you know, I have my planner, my digital planner, which is my obsession. I love it. It feels like mindfulness. I get all of the things out of my head onto paper and then I don't have to think about them anymore. And um, I also have done one whole journal entry but I'm, I'm, I want to start that more because journaling has always seemed superfluous to me because I'm like, I'm already thinking it. It's in my head. I don't need to write it down. But honestly, when you write it down, you think about things more and you get to know yourself that way. And so I, that's what I just talked about is what my first journal entry was about is where am I at now? What do I like about that? What would I like to change about that? And what can I do to change that? What are some actionable things that I can do? Not just like be happier, like what, how? So journaling is one of those. Keeping my planner is one of those. Podcasting, stress-free, not worrying about like, I'm not doing as much as so-and-so. I'm not commenting enough. I'm not engaging enough. I'm not, you know, my captions aren't good enough. My pictures aren't, like just falling down a spiral of like useless stuff. None of that matters. I just... I want to post. I want to share my life and my horses and my thoughts and maybe it'll help somebody and maybe they'll relate. Maybe it'll entertain. I don't know. Um, But that's why I'm doing it and I enjoy it. So why not? And um, yoga, integrating that, just spending time with my horses, uh, branching out, watching shows. My latest obsession, Attack on Titan. I just get weirder. I always thought anime was so weird, full disclosure, and uh, my formal apology to the anime-loving community. I am so sorry that I judged you a little bit. I was like, that's weird. But also, I have Zuko the cat and Azula the horse from Avatar The Last Airbender, which is like baby anime. Um, But I started watching Attack on Titan, bro. I am obsessed. I love it. Thank you, AB from H3 Podcast. You got me hooked. I love it. And... Uh, I have watched 14 episodes and I started yesterday, so I thoroughly enjoy it and will be pursuing down that route. So if you have faves, send them my way. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really enjoying the new vibe of just owning who I am and finding that with a sense of like, why not? And fearlessness, I guess, bravery. Um, it takes courage and bravery to be vulnerable. Thank you, Brene Brown, my dear. Um, and if you haven't heard of Brene Brown, that's good. That's good stuff. You need to listen to it. She has a YouTube video. I'll link in the show notes as well. But I read, well, I listened on Audible to Daring Greatly by her. And it's about vulnerability and researching that. She also has one called The Power of Vulnerability, I do believe. Um, which I'm afraid to read because I don't, I feel like I've looked in the mirror enough lately. (laughs) I need a break. But uh, yeah, so her stuff is amazing. Also, Meg Jay, uh, she wrote the book, The Defining Decade, Why Your 20s Are Not the New 30s. And she has a YouTube video on it as well. That was amazing. It's all about like, your, your life is yours to live, you know, let's, let's take advantage of that. And so, you know, I'll, I'll link this stuff in the, in the show notes. If you guys just want to like copy the links into your notes or something on your phone, um, and just have a little 
little self journey. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, it's been a really weird, weird while. Um, okay, here's the last thing I'll say. Um, my boyfriend, Jacob, he put me on to this show because he he loves Duncan Trussell, who is a, a podcaster. Um, his podcast is called the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, I think. Uh, I've listened to a couple episodes, but he was like, you really, really, really need to watch the Midnight Gospel on Netflix. And it's all these like existential philosophical questions, um, or conversations, I mean. They're basically podcast episodes animated by the animators of Adventure Time, which I also loved growing up. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's a really beautiful, cool show and the conversations are just incredible. And I, I have never been a person that has a comfort show. Like I don't like to go back and rewatch shows unless a new season comes out, but the midnight gospel, I like, I have some type of, I feel some type of way about it, you know, like I really, I, I just find myself going back and watching different episodes of it and I pick up different things every time and I learn something new about myself and about like or have a new thought and it's just I, don't, I really like it so you guys should check that out also but yeah so let me see what else is on my little list here those are the influential people that I've discussed Brene Brown, Warwick Schiller, um, Duncan Trussell, Midnight Gospel, um, Come Along for the Ride podcast, Journey On podcast. Who did I say at the beginning? I can't remember. My brain is getting fried. But, um, yeah, so I think I think what I'd like to end on here is that I it's so strange. And I, I think that this episode has gone so long because I'm trying really hard to put into words something that is a feeling. Um, but I just... I've done so much work in my head about, um, you know, how do I, how do I fix these problems that I'm dealing with? But as I've been going down that process, I feel like it's done a lot in my heart and in my mind, not my brain, you know what I mean? In me and like finding in like doing all this research for myself and like trying to take care of myself better that it's like, I almost accidentally developed self-love <laughs> and, and not in the way that I ever thought it would be. I thought self-love was like, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm great. But it, it's, I guess maybe it's because I'm an acts of service person. I like doing things for people. <laughs> See my website and all of the resources that are on there. It's, it goes crazy. Um, but like, I feel like by doing things physically to help myself, I it, it just feels good. It feels like... <sighs> I don't even know how to explain it. Like when you meditate or you do yoga or you do like a, a facial or you get your nails and toes done or you get a fresh haircut or you like shave and you're like, "Mm, I feel good. Like I'm doing it, you know? And that's how I feel. It just like, I'm, I'm getting kind of addicted to it a little bit that I I'm just like, it feels good to feel good and to feel like I'm worth taking care of. You know what I mean? And so yeah, I, I'm just, I'm really excited about this next chapter and I've never felt this way in my life before. It's so crazy. It's just, it's not something I realized I was missing. I didn't get it. And when other people talk about it, I was like, yeah, whatever. I prefer to self-deprecate and to make my life harder than it needs to be because I am comfortable in agony and anxiety and stress and because I know that. 
I know what it's like to be there. And that's, that's where I'm comfortable. The unknown to be peaceful, to be happy, to be content is scary. Um, but, and I just, it's not worth it to not, you know, like it's worth the risk and I'm worth it. So take that. Ha ha. Ooh, my stomach's growling. I need food. But yeah, I, I, I'm so sorry for the butt yeahs and the you knows. I know it gets annoying. It's, it, it's just what it's going to be today. Okay. So deal with it. Um, it's just, I really think when I am able to get out and work with the horses more beyond just like giving them scratches and enjoying being in their presence in the field that I'm, I will have a big difference. And I've, I've noticed it in the work that I did with six, the horse, six, the horse and trailering that working with him on that was like, I would have to take a deep breath and center myself and be like, it's okay. If he doesn't, if he doesn't get any further than he did yesterday or he's behind, that's okay. Respect him and do what's right for him. Do not push the agenda, you know, and it, it was difficult because I was on a timeline and I was very concerned about it. But, um, as far as I was concerned when I was working with him, it was like, I have all day. And if you only have 20 minutes of bandwidth, that's what we'll do. And there were some days that he would just get right on and be like, whatever, dude. And I was like, let's end. Don't worry about it. And we'd hang out in the trailer for 10 minutes. And then I'd back him out, do it one more time, put him back. (laughs) And, um, you know, just being happy to be and exist and be in the presence of another creature. And like, be with them and feel their energy and receive them and look out for them and be a part of what's going on in their life. And how, how am I a part of their life? Does that matter to me? Like, how am I impacting them? Am I a good part of their day? Are they enjoying this? Um, you know, like, I don't know, man, it's, I feel like I got existential and crazy and woo woo. And that's what I was trying not to do in this episode. I knew it was going to be one, but I was trying to terrain it in a little bit. So formal apologies, everyone. But I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please let me know. Actually, if you if you have watched this far in the episode, let me know in the comments if you enjoy this type of episode, because I know that it's not super horse focused. But I find that some of my favorite episodes of Warwick's podcast are not about horses and are about things that I can do within myself and that are thought provoking for me that will impact the horses and my relationship to them positively, if that makes sense. And so I really like those episodes because 90% of my time is not spent with horses. It's with me and my house. Um, and the, it's kind of like with the horses, you know, your horse only sees you, you know, when you go ride or when you feed or, you know, whatever, but most of your time, you're in your house with your cats or your dog or whatever. Um, so for me, a lot of the work happens away from them. And so I think it's really important to learn how to pay attention and not just like, I'm on high alert. I have ADHD. I notice everything all the time to the point that it's a little bit obnoxious and maddening. That that whole thing of becoming present and being aware and listening and tuning into yourself, your mind, your body, and the mind, the body, the emotional state, the thoughts, the feelings, concerns of others and yourself at the same time and holding space for that and respecting both and like just 
honoring that relationship, I feel like it might, might just be the key. And I don't know why I feel that way or how. I don't know how to put it into science terms. And this is typically a science podcast. I feel like I'm going to have to change the description of the podcast now. But like, and I just wrote it. Um, but it just, it feels like there's so much more beyond what is easy to measure and what is easy to, you know, like feel and pinpoint and be like, okay, yeah. So, so like, uh, um, it's gravity is obvious, right? So you, you push over a chair, it falls down. That's obvious. The why gravity exists is a little bit harder to measure and define. So that's kind of where I'm at with all of these things that I've been talking about. They, they exist outside what is currently measurable or has been measured, if that makes sense. And so I am deeply curious about it and really, really into it at the moment. So it's kind of hard for me not to talk about it. And I'm so sorry for rambling about my personal life and like the things that are going on with my health. But I, I feel like it gives context as to why I've sort of shifted into this perspective of like, what what else is out there if I just open myself up to it and I'm not afraid of it? And just to test it out, it doesn't mean I like, you know, in a year I could look back on this podcast and be like, yeah, I didn't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all now. That's not the way I see the world. That's not the way I see myself. Side note, I don't think that's going to happen. But, um, but I might, but, but the point is that I, I would be able to say then that I've tried it and that, that I opened myself up and I was able to explore new things. If I hadn't done that in the past, I wouldn't have found positive reinforcement, which has changed my life completely. And so now I'm, I'm just like, it's, it's hard to want to be closed off anymore. I want to be open and vulnerable in my relationship so I can connect with my partner on a deeper level. I want to be open and experimental in my relationships with my horses because I want to see what's possible. I want to, I want their input. I don't want to like force a narrative or an agenda. I, I I just want to see what happens. You know what I mean? Does that make sense at all? Am I just rambling? I'm very passionate about this at the moment. And I feel like that's what this podcast, the nature of it is, is whenever Jill's passionate about this, what we're talking about this week. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Please let me know in the comments. Seriously, seriously, not just an engagement interact. I would let you know if that's what this was. I do genuinely read the comments and I want to know what you guys think about the things And if you've commented before and I haven't read it, I promise you, I'll read this one because I really want to know if you guys are on the same journey, if you've, if you like the same things, like, do you listen to Duncan Trussell? Do you like anime? It's so weird. It's quirks. Um, But like, you know, are you on the same path? Do you feel the same way? Do you relate at all? Let me know. I want to have a little, little chat in the comments. Okay. Especially if you've watched this far because you freaking rock. You're a trooper. Um, And if you're listening on an audio platform, just bebop on over to YouTube. I won't make you watch the video again. You can comment. Um, but yeah, that makes it easier on me also because it's all in one place and then I know what it's about and like my DMs get messy. If you don't want to comment publicly, feel free to email me at equitheory at gmail.com. Let's discuss. But yeah, so um, last things last, closing up. The merch didn't come out. So sorry. Um, there are a couple things up on Teespring, but I still, I, I went back I was using Printful and then I was like, "Mm, no, let's go Teespring. We know it. It has integrations everywhere. It makes it easy. But also I'm like, "Mm, quality. So I'm still trying to figure out merch. 
it'll be up when it's up. I'll let you know. Don't worry about it. Okay. 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 But I think it'll probably be up on my website. I just got to figure out like payment and stuff like that. It's crazy. Anyway, so that is the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed it and you learned something and it provoked a thought. Seriously, let me know what you think. Okay. Have a good one. Follow us on the socials and do all the things. Okay. That's all. Bye.